What's up, guys? This is Ryan Talley and Kevin Lapka live here on Scarf and Gray Sports Radio. What's up, Ryan? How are What's we going doing? On? Doing good? I'm doing good. How about you? Fine, eh, you know, fine Thursday afternoon here, a little sunny, sunny day in Columbus. Got a lot of things to talk about today. We're going to go through a little bit of NFL news this week as the Steelers remain the Kardashians of the NFL. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then some MLB news, as we know, Manny Machado getting his deal. And then a little bit later, some NBA news, uh, including some breaking news actually of about five minutes ago but like i said we're going to start um with some of this nfl news as we usually do because that is our podcast not a busy week but of course as it will be every week people will be talking about the steelers and what they'll be able to do and the breaking news now this week is that antonio brown actually met with owner uh i forget his first name art, art rooney. rooney that is art art rooney uh owner art rooney about they finally worked out the fact that He's going to get traded, and obviously there was that tension between Antonio Brown and the front office organization, so they kind of cleared things up there. But then he went on Instagram after his workouts telling teams to hit him up um, in that ridiculous video. But I have a question for you now. Is all of this, obviously this has been going on for months now, and even years into the past season about this drama with Antonio Brown, and now he's 31 years old, he's got all these issues. Do you think this is helping his case, or do you think he's kind of pushing teams away here, and what do you see from him in the future? Well, yeah, it's definitely not knocking the drama label that he kind of has. You know, he he's always had his problems with causing drama in the locker room, and this is certainly not helping his case of, why he's not a problem in the locker room and then when you add in the financial aspects like we talked about before there's just so many things going on with this that he he's just not doing himself any favors and he's getting paid a ton of money right now but I'm sure as soon as he gets traded he's going to want more money and it's tough for a team to really you know, uh, validate giving him that money. He's 31 years old. That's certainly not old, but in the NFL, that's that's definitely on the downside of your career for most people. And he's already getting paid a ton. He's already had problems for multiple years with the Steelers and not, you know, completely getting uh, immersed in that locker room and causing problems. And it's really just I don't I don't think it's helping his case of why teams should really feel that they should give him more right. money and put all this financial um, capital into him and he, he just has so many of those red flags but the problem is he still is probably the best wide receiver in the league one of these so. Yes. With all of these red flags, if it's anybody else, it's kind of like, oh, this guy, he's done. Like, he's out of the league, or he's nobody's going to take him seriously. But because he's one of the, the best players in the league, and his production has just been off the charts, it's, it's, it's just a weird situation right now. It is. Because while it does make sense to invest heavily in a guy with that production, he still has all of those problems. I just... I, I don't really know what he's doing. I don't think this is the best way to go about everything. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, the question becomes now, it, it's like a trade-off. You almost wonder at this point, is his value on the field 
worth as much as what he's giving you off the field with yeah. all the issues and the drama? And it's a, it's a good question, and I, I really don't know the answer to it, but it's certainly something to be concerned about if you're ultimately that team that gets Antonio Brown in the offseason here is, you know, like we talked about last week, if he doesn't get thrown the ball more than five times in one game, is he going to go out to the media, complain to the coach? And, and like we talked about, um, too, like in football – you know, culture is very important, different from NBA, MLB. It's the most important in football. It's truly a team game. You really have to mesh. And, you know, if that breaks down, it can be detrimental to the team. I mean, look at the Steelers this year. That's a team with a crap ton of talent that didn't even make the playoffs, didn't even win their division. They, they, so, they went off for a good stretch of, I mean, they beat the Panthers by, they scored like 50, 50 points, points or yep. something, and then it just went downhill. Right. So I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but nonetheless, like you mentioned, you're getting a player who, he, sure, he's 31 years old, but he's still one of the top wide receivers in the league. And that's why I say if you're looking at a team right now, the team that I, not the team, but a team that I'm seeing as a suitor is just a team that, you know, you're one piece away on offense from a Super Bowl. You're not looking at a team that's going to, with a rookie quarterback looking to develop, you're not looking at a team like that. You're not looking at, you know, a team who's far away from the Super Bowl. You're looking at a team that is ready to win, you know, right now or in the next two years. And pretty much Antonio Brown is your missing piece to that formula. That's why I was watching NFL Network the other day, and this is ridiculous, but I believe David Carr and uh, Reggie Wayne said their number one suitor was the Chicago Bears, which is absolutely absurd. But it just shows that that kind of team where you're close to the promised land and you may be just that one piece away on offense is the right suitor for Antonio Brown. That's why I've seen people say, you know, the Packers, which I think is insane because you already have your guy with Devontae Adams. I don't see you needing yeah. a guy like Antonio Brown, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers. So And the offense isn't the problem. Right, right. and that's why I think uh, we talked about this for weeks now. I think 49ers are the best fit because – I mean, who really knows how far they are? I mean, they do have a decent amount of talent, and we don't really know how much higher Jimmy Garoppolo can bring them, but it's it's pretty promising based off of his past and, you know, the sample size that we have of the games that he has played. So if he goes over there, he gives them three years, they win a Super Bowl in three years, and, yeah, it'll work. But don't look for him to be going to any team. Like, I don't see him going to the Jets. I don't see him going to any team that is more than three to four years away from the Super Bowl because you don't need that kind of drama, and he's not – at that point of his career where he wants that and where a team can afford that. So we'll see um, We'll see where he goes, but I really do I, see him going. I wouldn't, like, I'm going to be totally honest. I wouldn't be surprised if he does manage to stay with the Steelers. Really? And it wow. doesn't seem likely, but I think, I don't know if this is just a problem where Antonio Brown is just trying to force the hand of ownership and management and just trying to get Ben Roethlisberger to stay in check or whatever Antonio Brown's qualms are with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. But I don't I don't know if this is like a, a issue that can't be fixed. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers can't find a good trade partner for him. Right. If they just say, they sit everybody down and they say, listen, something's got to be figured out here. There's not there's not an uh, a reasonable end in sight. We need to just figure out something and keep everything in house and see how it goes. And I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's gonna happen. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. Really. And another team that I just thought of that I think might make sense is the Chargers. Okay. And here's why: the Chargers have a ton of talent on offense. Yeah. Keenan Allen, one of the top artist series in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, and while they do have all that talent on offense, they have the talent on defense, there's still that piece that they just can't get it done 
in the playoffs. And this is, I would say, this year or next year is probably going to be Phillip Rivers last year. Yes. And he has played very well recently. So if if the Chargers can, you know, find a deal, maybe I mean that first their first round pick is probably late. I think they have about twenty five million in cap room. Um I, I think it might make a little bit of sense it could. to add in another weapon there that might be the piece to put you over the top to beat a team like the Patriots or to beat the the Chiefs, you know. It's I, funny how we're even saying that because you look at the Chargers. I mean, that's a Chargers offense with a really good wide receiver core. I mean, it's not just Keelan Allen. It's Mike Williams, Super Crest yeah. this year. It's, I mean, they had Melvin Gordon, right. but it's still an issue. And you're probably getting Hunter Henry back next year healthy. Yep. But I, if I'm the Chargers, I might look into it just because it you what just can you need do to as, get over Tom Brady. Yeah, That's what it is. You need to do as much as you can. I mean, if you look at what the Rams did this year, they sign Aaron Donald. They get Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib. They go out and get all these guys. They were rumored to even go after Khalil Mack for one year mm-hmm. and then get rid of them this offseason. you got to get as many pieces as you can in the time that you have. And the windows are very short in the NFL. So if you have the opportunity to True. do something big, you got to take that chance because, it, I mean, we know the Patriots get to the Super Bowl seemingly every year. But it's not like that for every team. And it's so easy to get complacent and, you know, you make it to the conference championship one year, you think you're getting to the Super Bowl the next year or something like that. Things change. And if the Chargers really want to go for it, they need to go for it right now because soon they're not going to have their franchise quarterback anymore and they're going to be basically starting over. Right. I mean, you look at that, you talked about the window, right? Their window basically relies here on Phillip Rivers. I mean, they had the possible defensive rookie of the year in Derwin James. Joey Bosa's a third-year guy. Melvin Ingram's, or, yeah, Melvin Ingram's a pretty relatively young guy, and their defense is looking good on that side of the ball. But, you know, there's honestly no guarantee when Phillip Rivers leaves the team. So, and you look at the AFC now with Patrick Holmes and Kansas City Chiefs, that offense is going nowhere. I mean, the Patriots next year will probably be top five in the NFL in offensive scoring, I would assume. So if they really want to go out there and, like we said, make that push to, to get a guy like Antonio Brown to put them over the edge, then I could see that as a suitor. It's just with a guy like Keenan Allen, it's unlikely, I feel like, because, you know, it, it, again, it's yeah. like how much do you really need him? I mean, his production would in, would decrease if he went to Los Angeles because you're sharing the ball with all those talented but imagine, receivers. imagine Antonio Brown. I know. I mean, it's Keenan, scary Allen, to Keenan Allen might be the most underrated wide receiver, I would, I would underrated player even. A lot of players in the, the league. Chargers underrated, yeah. I mean, he like he he puts up his numbers, and nobody really talks about him. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see where Antonio Brown goes, and we'll follow that story. Um, as we'll probably get new news every week about it because that's just all there really is to yeah. talk about in the NFL right now. But we'll move on to another Steelers player, as you all are familiar with, Le'Veon Bell. Um, they the Steelers have uh, officially decided they will not franchise tag Le'Veon Bell, prompting him to tweet, "I'm free, I'm free, I'm finally free." Um, so yes, he really did tweet that. Got like sixty-five thousand retweets. So he is happy to be out of that organization finally. Um, he's currently though asking for around fifty million dollars over two years, which is an absurd amount of money if you compare that to Todd Gurley, who signed a massive running back deal, I believe, last offseason, which is. I think around 15 million per year. So if you broke Le'Veon Bell's asking price down, that would be 25 million per year, which would be 10 million more than I believe the current biggest running back deal, which is Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley right? got guaranteed 45 million okay. total. Okay. So what, nonetheless, what Le'Veon is asking for is a ridiculous price. But there is, 
some things to consider. Look, Le'Veon Bell did not play football last season, so he will be extremely healthy. He's raring to go. He'll be ready to go. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that he is obviously a very talented player, um, and he really doesn't bring as much drama as Antonio Brown. It may seem like a lot of drama, but I, I believe a lot of it, you know, rightfully so, is what the whole franchise tag, you know, he wanted to get paid, and I think some things could have been worked out, but it's really not like he's a huge locker room problem and a huge drama problem as much as Antonio Brown. But, you know, the thing we want to talk about with Le'Veon, the reason why the Steelers were kind of like, all right, we're going to let you walk, is that the running back is the most replaceable position in the NFL. I mean, they brought in a rookie, James Conner, who basically produced just as well, if not better, than Le'Veon did in 2017. So you begin to wonder, are gonna are teams going to be willing to pay this much money for a guy like Le'Veon Bell when you know you can find a very talented running back even in past their third round honestly so yeah I mean last year if you look at it the Eagles win the Super Bowl their highest paid running back was LeGarrette Blunt. he he got I think just over one and a half million dollars they had Jay Jai on a fifth round rookie contract yep. you had Corey Coleman on an undrafted free agent contract so they were spending under three million dollars on the running back position they win the Super Bowl yeah they they were I believe they were number two in rushing last year as well the, the Patriots this year, you got Sony Michelle, Rookie. James White, Rex Burkhead. I mean, these guys are not top-tier guys, but, I mean, Sony Michelle has had a great year this year, but, I mean, none of those guys are what you would consider top five running backs in the league, top-tier running backs in the league. And running back is just a position where, yeah, you might have the best guy, but how often does the team with the best running back actually win? Right, and not very often. It, it's really just about, I mean, there's marginal differences between a guy who's going to make $10 million at the running back position and a guy who's making, say, $4 million right. at the running back position. I mean, if you look at the Chiefs, right, they lost Kareem Hunt in mid-early season, right, and people were ready to slow them down. No, they still made the AFC Championship. Yeah. They kept scoring on pace. So that just kind of proves you, you don't need – like, sure, it's nice to have, and you're obviously not going to decline Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell on your team, but it's not a necessity for per se. And I heard some guys in ESPN talking about, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you'd have star running backs play for 10 years. Barry Sanders, all those yeah. guys. They'd play for 10, and they'd be good for 10 years. Think of a running back nowadays that has been successful for the past 10 years, other than possibly Adrian Peterson or maybe even Frank Gore. I, I, There's I really think, not that many. I think the, the lifespan for NFL running backs is like four or five years. Right, I mean, that's really what it and, is. So. And Le'Veon Bell is only 27 years old. Yeah. But if you think about it, this is, I think, his sixth. It's going to be his sixth or seventh year in the league. Yep. So yeah, that doesn't seem like a lot, but for a running back, that's a lot of wear and tear. He had the... Uh, ACL tear, mm -hmm. I think. I think he had another uh, knee a, injury yeah. earlier. And like you said, he doesn't, he's not really a drama guy. He's had, you know, some questionable tweets this year just yep. because the situation. the situation that he was in. But since he's been with the Steelers, I think his only main um, incident was, I think, his rookie year, maybe his second year when um, he couldn't stay off the weed. Oh, yeah. With Legarrette Blunt, yeah, and I think he got suspended, but right, yeah, I, I remember. I that. believe that's, that's really been it. his only thing um, in his career, other than you know the injuries. But with running backs, it's just once you hit a certain age, it's really just red flag after red flag because any injury makes a team question: Are you still going to oh, be yeah. the same guy? Oh yeah, and he's taken a year off, and he might have been conditioning and everything, but. 
when you take a year off of NFL action, you can't really be expected to come back and produce the same way you were producing the year before that. So I, I don't know if any te- I mean, there's tons of teams out there that have a ton of cap space. You got the Colts, the Jets, the Browns. They're all pushing $100 million in cap space. Well, it's not going to be the Browns year. anymore. Oh, you're talking about just yeah, cap space. Just cap yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a team, I, I think the Jets probably end yeah, up I getting him because I think the Jets, they need to do something. they just not been a good franchise for a while now. Yep. And I think they need to do something. But most teams in the NFL, I think they're just going to turn the other way and say, look, we have other needs and we can get a third-round pick who can do the same thing. I mean, you look at Kareem Hunt, third-round pick, and he has issues, but he's still a talented running back. Alvin Kamara, third-round pick. Guys guys get taken in the second, third, fourth round, and they're very, very productive NFL running backs. Even some later undrafted guys, I mean, Phillip Lindsay, undrafted free agent this year, pro bowler. I think he he led, led all rookies in rushing maybe. Or was close to it. Was close to it. It was either him or Saquon. Yeah, Yeah, so he had an excellent year. And it's just the running back position, you might be able to get the best guy, but sometimes you just have to ask yourself, do you really need it? It's not like quarterback where quarterback, you want the best quarterback. Dealing with a marginal quarterback is is a risky business. You know, you don't really want to have the anomalies where Trent Dilfert wins a Super Bowl. That's not going to happen every year. So quarterback, you want the best player at the position. But right. running back, you don't really need that top-tier guy necessarily if you have the right mix of guys. I mean, look at the Super Bowl, right? I mean, the Los Angeles Rams in Week 13 bring in C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson off of the street who's been with three different teams in 2018, and he goes out there and pretty much produces just as well and gets more snaps than one of the best running backs in the league. And, that again, there's so many examples that can prove this. I mean, how often each year is there like four fantasy players who are just, you know, either undrafted players, deep round players that no one's talking about, guys who are maybe second stringers who got signed to a new team who became the lead back and just all of a sudden go off? I mean, a lot of it comes due to the offensive line. Um, I mean, if your offensive line is creating holes, you're going to, it's not that hard to run through a hole. It's really not. And if you're an NFL running back, you're going to be able to do that. And, yeah. that. and that's honestly part of it, too. But, you know, it just goes to the point. Running back is a very replaceable position in the NFL, which, going back to the point, makes you question what Le'Veon's value will be and if teams will be willing to give as much money as he's asking for in. Um, in the free agency market. So we'll see what happens with Le'Veon. Again, all of these things will heat up after March 13th, which is when the official um, league new league year begins. So that's when free agency will open. You'll see a lot of those deals starting to be made until then. Uh, we got the draft combine March 1st, which is about eight days away now, um, something like that. So yeah. that's something to look out for. Speaking of the draft kind, Kyler Murray um, says he may not throw at the combine. Uh, news or new? News or no? If I was him, I I wouldn't even show up to the combine. Really? If I'm being honest, I really? wouldn't even show up. I think I think he has the hype right now to be a top ten pick, and and we've talked about it before. If you get listed as a do lower you, than five yeah, ten height, do yeah. you really want to go get yeah. a a poor listing? And I'm not saying he's not talented. He's definitely talented. But what I'm saying is, with his size factored in. Does he over-exceed the talent that he's going to have to make up for? Is he going to be able to, you know, do all of the 
the things that are required during the combine to make up for that hype. And I don't know if he will. And if I'm him, I, well, all I'm doing is I'm running the 40-yard dash my pro day. That's huh. it. Really? That's it. I mean, why do anything else? Yeah. I mean, he's got the hype. You, if if teams been, ask, oh, why didn't, why right. didn't you throw? Watch my tape. Watch my tape. The only, yeah, the only thing, I mean, he's obviously listed behind Dwayne Haskins. I don't think he's ever going to jump ahead yeah. Dwayne Haskins. The only way that would happen is if he goes to the combine, lights it up, improves some people. But that that's risky. It is risky. And, again, he might have to throw some napkins under the shoes or else he might be listed at 5'9". So we'll uh, see. Yeah, yeah, if I, if I was him, uh, I wouldn't show up. I wouldn't even go. He's He's got the hype around him right now that he's going to be a first-round pick. I think he'll be a top-10 pick, top-15 pick. And there, there's really no point in showing up. I mean, it's yeah. Just run the forty, run right. the forty at your pro day, and that's it. Right. That's that's all I would do. Show teams that you have the speed. You, you can you can run as fast as anybody. Maybe throw a couple passes to to your best player, and you know exactly the route that's going to be run. You know exactly what's going to happen. That's all I would do, but I'm not going out there and and, and putting myself in a situation yeah. where I might not have a great combine plus on top of that the height. I mean, a guy like Dwayne Haskins, if he goes to the combine and has a poor combine, people are still going to say, oh, well, he's still 6'5". He's still 230, whatever he is. I don't know what he is. But he's still a prototypical quarterback. We saw what he did at Ohio State. We saw what he did against Michigan, against Northwestern, against Washington. Yeah. Kyler Murray, oh, he's 5'9", and he can't make these throws. Why would I use a top-10 pick on him? Yeah. It's, it, it's certainly not absurd for him not to go to the combine. Again, it's a risky move, so we'll see how that heats up. He's got eight days to figure out if he's doing that. We're going to move on. Uh, news from a little bit earlier this week, about six days ago. The NFL settled the collusion case with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed. Um, so they will be getting, people believe, somewhere around 80 to $100 million for settlements. Um, but I think the more important thing now is now that the case is settled, it's gone, it's done with, and quite frankly, the anthem issue was not as much of an issue at all as it was in 2016 or 2017. It was not an issue very much this year. People weren't talking about it very much. It didn't get much media attention as it did the year before. So now people start to wonder, will Kaepernick get a job? And I think it's certainly intriguing because there was news that broke six days ago that said he was offered opportunities by the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, that new secondary league, and he turned them down, which either tells me that he doesn't want to play football at all or he still believes that there is opportunities for him in the NFL. So I ask you, do you think he gets a job? And I actually one destination that I have heard as the possible suitor is the New England Patriots. As we know, Tom Brady is getting older do you think they would be a team that would make a move for him, or do you have any other ideas? Do you think he gets a job at all? Well, uh, going along with the, the report from the uh, AAF that he he apparently requested or asked for over $20 million from right. the AAF. And here's team. something Mike and I just discovered. Sorry, my friend is Mike. We just discovered this last night. I believe they're playing every player like $250,000 because – we were reading about the payroll because this is actually other news. The AAF missed their payroll in week one, meaning they did not pay their players in week one. They missed uh, payroll. Th- th- so then They for, said it was a system issue, but we don't really know. We don't really on. know. It's likely an excuse. But then we find out about three days ago that they somehow scrap up $250 million from a quote-unquote anonymous 
source or they got the money from somewhere. I don't know who gave I, it to I them. I don't they know got if they it took from, a loan or from the Carolina Hurricanes, the hockey team's really? owner. And I believe he's now the commissioner of the AAF. Well, yeah. there you go. That's how these things start. But yeah, so there's the two hundred fifty million dollars coming in. But we just like like I just said, I believe every player is getting paid two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. So going back to what you said, Colin Kaepernick requesting twenty million dollars, which is twenty million dollars and seven hundred fifty thousand more than every other player. Yeah, it, I don't. It, I think that's just stupid. it's absurd. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna prove to teams that you can play football, you go to the AAF. You light it up there, and that's the point of this league. The point yeah, of this league is really to, is. to compete and give guys another chance. And like we were talking about with Antonio Brown, you know, you have to weigh in the off-the-field stuff with the on-the-field stuff, and will it actually line up? And I think that's always been the thing with Colin Kaepernick is after his maybe first two, three years, he really went downhill very, very fast. And it got to the point where was he worth keeping on the team and dealing with the distraction of any protest that he made? And I'm not making any political statements. I'm just saying owners know that they don't want the bad publicity on their team. And was his talent going to outweigh that like it does for a guy like Antonio Brown? Yeah. And I, I think that's really what's going to come down to what it's going to come down to whether he gets back in the NFL is our team's going to view his talent as an ability as you know going to will his talent outweigh anything that happens off the field and I still don't know if it will but I do think he will get another shot in the NFL well. I do I just think if he wanted to get another shot go to the alliance and play there. Light it up. I mean, we're seeing Christian Hackenberg complete 10 passes for 87 yards. Go there. Throw for 300 yards. Show that you can still play football, and maybe a team gives you a shot. And, yeah. and now I think that a team will give him a shot just because at this point, you give Colin Kaepernick a shot, a lot of people are just going to—a lot of people are definitely going to hate the move, obviously. I mean, we're living in a very, you know, split— country right now right so you're always no matter the move you make if it has political back political a political narrative to it there's going to be a group that dislikes it there's going to be a group that loves it and that and and there's nothing you can do to to really go either way at this point but i i just and quite frankly this has been the problem the whole time and what you just said is pretty much the reason he has gotten a job i mean sure there might be owners who disagree with the stance that colin kaepernick took and i'm sure that's the case i'm sure there's owners who disagree with the stance that he took but you know there's always that risk you talk about the nfl as a business as every sport as every organization it's really a business there's a business side to it of course so if you take that risk on colin kaepernick you bring him to his team and your ticket sales drop or people stop buying your jerseys or people stop supporting your team. That really takes a business impact on your team. And obviously it's not ethical, but it's, it's something you have to, it's something you completely have to consider. At the end of the day, it is a business. Um, You know, a lot of the money from your organization is coming from ticket sales, jersey sales, you know, sponsorships. sponsorships. I mean, you don't, you don't know if a, if a company that might sponsor you is, what what they feel about it if they don't like what you just did they might just pull out of the the agreement that you have and then you lose the money from that 
sponsorship. So right, exactly. It's, so it, it's it's a tough situation. I think he'll get a job. If I had to guess right now, I'm gonna say the 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 Dolphins are gonna be be the team that he plays for. Okay. Or he's gonna be dressed in uniform with okay. week one. I don't think he's gonna be starting. Because that's the other thing that's a concern. This guy has been in the league for three years, and it's not like in basketball where Michael Jordan can go play baseball for a few years, then come back and win three yeah. straight championships. He, the NFL's he's a different playing game. In it, and he's also not. He hasn't been playing in another sport. He could be throwing all he wants, but that that doesn't prepare you for Khalil Mack coming around the edge right. or Aaron Donald coming right up in your face. That's in it, general it, football IQ. I mean, who yeah, even knows? I mean, so. I, I don't think he'll be starting. I think he will be on the Dolphins week one. Okay. And going with your Patriots thing, I don't I don't see the Patriots doing this just because, one, the Patriots aren't very big on making statements. You know, they, they don't want to bring in that guy who, who's really going to bring in bad drama. Josh Gordon? But I think the difference with Josh Gordon is he became almost like um, a, a a sad story yeah. of a guy with <laughs> like such great talent, sure. and yeah. everybody just kind of was like, it's just sad what's happening to him. A guy has so much talent and he just can't get his life together. And I think I think the Patriots are fine with that. You know, yeah. if they see talent, if the Patriots see talent, they'll take it doesn't matter but we didn't see a lot of talent from Colin Kaepernick the last time he was playing I mean, that's he, a good point he got his job taken by Blaine Gabbert yeah so it's not like it's not like Colin Kaepernick was was lighting up the charts the last time he was playing so I don't see the Patriots doing it and also I don't unless Bill Belichick leaves in the next year or two he just doesn't fit the Patriots system. I mean, Colin Kaepernick wants to get out there, run, get out of the pocket, and that's just not what the Patriots do. So I, I don't see the Patriots unless Bill Belichick leaves. That's just my thoughts Okay. the Patriots. Yeah, no, I, I agree with it. Um, I like the Dolphins' idea because they're not really – I don't believe they're a top – what, it might be a ninth overall pick? Or where are they in the draft I, order? I don't know. I'm not sure where they're they at. Won, they won unexpectedly a Yeah, so they might not be top year. ten. They might not be in the Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins range. Maybe you'll see them draft a guy like Will Greer or Drew Locke. Um, but – I do think Colin Kaepernick will get a job, and I think he should have a job. If you look at a guy like Nathan Peterman being in the league, then it's completely justified that Colin Kaepernick should at least be given a chance in the league. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Other related NFL news. News as of today, yes. 13th pick. They are the 13th. The Dolphins are the 13th uh, overall pick. So they're in a position to draft a quarterback, obviously. And I, I, I don't know if... Ryan Tannehill is a free agent. I know they probably are going to want to move They've in. said they want to get rid of him. I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know if he's a free agent or but, if it's a yeah, trade. So I would have to look I, into that. I, I'm not really sure what he actually is. Yeah. But it, he could be back next year. You never know. Tannehill? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you just don't know. Like it, I mean, Andy Dalton's been with the Bengals for <laughs> how long Great now? Comparison. So, like, yeah. Great comparison. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Colin Kaepernick. Moving on, news as of today. Case Keenum is reportedly, quote-unquote, shocked um, by the Joe Flacco trade to the Broncos. He apparently talked to John Elway and is still shocked even after the talk. So 
what do you make of this? Um, do you think that they really, I mean, I, they obviously had to have had no communication with Case Keenum. Obviously, you're not going to tell your starting quarterback that you're moving on from him. That's not what you do usually, but usually there's some type of conversation within the organization that you're been unsatisfactory, you're not getting the job done, and there may be a possible replacement in the future. But it seems to me that he was unaware of all of this. Um, what do you make of this? Do you think this will prompt him to, you know, maybe request a trade? Usually we see those kinds of things happen when a guy gets um, replaced. And what, just what do you make of that news? It might. I mean, if if I'm him, I'd, I'd be shocked, too, if I hadn't get, been given an indication that, I mean, obviously he had to have known that he didn't really play up to the standards that he was expected to, but... I mean, those were pretty unfair expectations. He had one good year of his career, and all of a sudden everybody thought he was going to just go off. And uh, that's probably unfair. So, I mean, I, I'd be a little little shocked, too, if they just trade for a guy who basically did the exact same thing as me last year. <laughs> so I, I think he's going to get traded. My guess is he's going to get traded to either the Jaguars, the Redskins. Okay. Or Those typical teams that are looking for yeah, Miami. If, again. if someone doesn't, or if the Giants somehow move on from Eli Manning, I could see him going to the Giants. And I think... It's all going to be dependent on where Nick Foles goes. Yeah, it's so hundred percent. If Nick Foles, if the Eagles decide that they're going to, you know, f- quote franchise tag Nick Foles with the intention of trading him to another team, if, if say he gets traded to the Jaguars, I think the Redskins are really going to look at Case Keenum and they're going to go after Case Keenum. But I don't think Case Keenum has the same value. As Nick Foles, I no, think I think the Eagles, close. if they're looking for a trade, they're looking for a second round pick, maybe a third and a fourth well, and a couple other picks or something like that. I think if Case Keenum gets traded, he's getting traded for a six round pick. Six? You think he's yes. getting that low? Because you got to think about it. He's getting paid eighteen million dollars, sixty million dollars this year. Yeah, that's a lot of money, and it yeah. is only a one year deal. But he's only had really one year of good production. I mean, Nick Foles has shown, you know, earlier in his career he had the good years, and then he's shown that he can do it in the playoffs multiple years. I mean, he played well last year, obviously. Played pretty good this year. So, I mean, that that's a bigger factor in it than Case Keenum. You know, so I, I just think, I think Case Keenum, his value is way lower, and I think whatever team misses out on Nick Foles will get Case Keenum. I agree, and I... Uh, that's not a very bold prediction. No, it's but. really not. But speaking of Nick Foles, there was guys on NFL Network this week who said uh, one of the bigger suitors right now is the Jacksonville Jaguars, said if Nick Foles goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're a quote-unquote Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I don't um, believe that. I, I, think I can that, see I think it. that was David Carr. I can see it, yeah. He's made a lot of those types of statements his past few David years with NFL Carr. Network, but... Um, it's certainly something to keep your eye on, but I do think that the statement made by Case Keenum, the fact that he's shocked, will definitely prompt... Um, Either him really wanting to get out of there yeah. because uh, when you sign a guy like Joe Flacco, you, you don't you don't do that. Or I can't imagine a QB battle. You can't do that for you don't do a QB controversy there. When you have two guys like this who are both 
clearly mediocrity right now in their point of the career, you go with one or the other. And they've shown that when you trade for a guy, you're just going to go with that guy like Flacco. And especially a former Super Bowl MVP. And it, Yeah, right. And, right. and he, he really does have clearly the better track record than Case Keenum. As of recently, Case Keenum will have the better evidence, but if you go whole career, yeah. again, he's had many winning seasons with the Ravens, a Super Bowl MVP under his belt. They're both veterans, but he is a more seasoned veteran than Case Keenum, surely. So Yeah, for sure. It, it certainly looks like the Broncos are going to ride with Joe Flacco the rest of the way. We'll see what happens with Case Keenum. And then one last news um, that we have for the NFL year. It was reported today that C.J. Anderson um, said Todd Gurley was more injured than expected during the Rams' playoff run during the Super Bowl, which really just puts some more mix to what we talk about, what we talked about weeks ago with uh, the whole running back controversy and whether he was actually injured. And I don't know if this is C.J. Anderson coming out and trying to protect or you well, know. I, I think C.J. Anderson's time with the Rams is up. If think, he's coming yeah. out and saying this, I mean, that it's really not a good look if he's coming out and saying that while the medical staff is saying otherwise. Yeah. And what happened in the Super Bowl, what happened in the playoffs, I think I think C.J. Anderson's time with the Rams has come to an end. And I, honestly, I don't even know. If he doesn't say this, I still think it, it would end because I think a team's still going to go out and get C.J. Anderson based on his production at the end of the year. But it is something to think about. Whether, I mean, we're going to talk about this forever unless for some reason the Rams decide that they're going to release a report that says that Todd Gurley was injured. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're ever going to do that. So I, I, I would have to just, I just have to take what C.J. Anderson says with a grain of salt. You're never really going to know the truth. And this is just another report. There's other reports saying Ty Gurley wasn't injured. So to say which one is true, which one is not true, you really aren't going to ever know. But it's something interesting to think about as an explanation on why a top three running back, top two running back, I would argue, was not on the field for the entire Super Bowl, basically. Yeah, Yeah, so, I mean, certainly it would just put a lot of ease to the conversation. (laughs) It would just solve everything because it's really... Just befuddling that if guy. If Sean like, McVay yeah. came out tomorrow and said, "Yeah, Todd Gurley was injured," we didn't want the Patriots to know that. End Fine. of story. But this is also another thing that related. Kyle Van Noy went on uh, media that he went on a radio show or something, and he said the Rams weren't creative at all. They didn't try anything at all against us in the Super Bowl, and that is just. It's shocking because obviously everything we know about Sean McVay and everything we know about the Rams offense is tricking you up, showing you something new every down, every play that you've never seen before. And apparently they just didn't do that in the Super Bowl, and that was clearly presented by the three points. But what they did on the field was exactly what we saw on tape. They didn't they didn't shock us at all. And I mean that everybody wants the next Sean McVay, but is the next Sean McVay gonna be able to? win big games. <laughs> right. I mean, right. that's what it comes down to. Yep. You can do whatever you want in the regular season, but if you're not winning games in, in the playoffs, it doesn't really matter. doesn't it, matter. It doesn't. It does not matter. So we'll see what happens. The NFL offseason is rolling along. 
Um, like we said, a few dates to look forward to March 1st of the NFL Combine. March 13th is the new league year, which is when free agency opens and when trades will be made official. And then April 26th, 27th, I believe that date range is the NFL draft. We're going to move on now to some other breaking news that happened this week. Manny Machado, uh, free agent for about seven months. <laughs> for the longest time, has signed a 10-year, $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres after most people thought he was going to be go to, going to the Chicago White Sox after they signed all of his friends, uh, his stepbrother. It seemed like a done deal, but out of nowhere, the Padres come and give him the money that he wanted, and that's ultimately why he went there is because they were the highest offer. It was turned out that the Sox, I don't believe, offered him more than $250 million. So he saw 300 and he said, you know what, I'm going to San Diego. So what do you make of this trade? And, you know, is he worth it? There's obviously those questions. Is a guy who, you know, isn't in that Mike Trout, I wouldn't even, there's guys who question he has more value than Bryce Hubbard, but he's not a Mike Trout type player. He's not one of those types of players, but do you think he's worth that $300 million that the San Diego Padres just gave him? I think he is. I mean, he, if you consider him a shortstop, he's probably top three shortstops in the game. Yep. If you add up his defensive ability, mm-hmm. his ability to hit that's where it average, yeah. his ability to hit home runs, doubles, drive in runs, so that's big. But he also is not your typical shortstop. You know, shortstops are generally fast guys, steel bases, top of the lineup guys. He's not that. But that's not necessarily a knock on him if he's hitting home runs, driving yeah. in runs. But, yeah, I would say he's worth this kind of money. And I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked that the White Sox, the White Sox final offer, I believe, was eight years, $250 yes. million guaranteed with options that could bring total contract value Incentives, to $350 yeah. million. So total contract value could have been more Way if more. you went to the White Sox. Yeah. But you're from Chicago. Yeah. If I offered you $250 million to play what the White Sox are the, are the south side of Chicago, yes, yeah. right? If I offered you $250 million with the potential of $350 million to live on the south side of Chicago, play for the White Sox in front of, what, 10, 15 fans? <laughs> or, or the San Diego Padres in, front of, San Diego, in yeah. front of, what, 10, 15 fans <laughs> down there in San Diego? And live in San Diego right. for three hundred million. Right. Which one are you taking? Uh, San Diego, clearly. But yeah. th- this is uh, we're gonna get into this now about the whole you know the whole problem with the Chicago White Sox in this scenario. And you know they essentially just wasted you know fifty million dollars or whatever they spent on getting his brother-in-law, Yonder Alonso, John Jay, his, his like best friend. They got another guy who's another friend of his. And obviously, sure, those guys may be good role players and they may produce you know, 70 RBIs and 20 home runs, maybe. But the only reason they all did that was to get Manny Machado. That's obviously all that it was. It was all just a pitch to get him to come to the south side of Chicago. And I know the offer was, it could have been $350 million, but the guaranteed money is what he wanted, and it's not there. And I know the the question will be, for the longest time, is it worth that? I mean, when the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, the big question was, wow, should they have given up two first-round picks? And sometimes you just got to go all in. This is a White Sox team that's, you know, I hate to say it, but they're really not that far away from World Series. If their prospects hit the way that they think they will, they're two to three years away. And, you know, if they don't win a World Series in five years, 
they're going to go back and look and say, look, we were we were one piece away. We were one impact player away from yeah. winning the World Series. And they may look back at this and say, if we would have just given the $300 million to Manny Manchado like he asked for, we would be standing here with a World Series ring. So, it'll, again, time will tell if this will be a regretted decision or not, if he produces with the San Diego Padres or not. But I think if you're Jerry Reinsdorf, and look, Jerry Reinsdorf is also the owner of the Chicago Bulls. They are horrible at, at, at getting free agents to come to their to come to Chicago. It, it, the Bulls haven't gotten a major free agent in a long time. We mentioned that earlier. The White Sox haven't gotten a major free agent in a long time. This is their big opportunity, and especially when all the momentum is going their way. You know, there's the black and white gloves posted on his Instagram. There's the the videos of him in a White Sox hat with all of his friends in White Sox hat at a training place in Arizona. There's, again, all of his friends. Literally, people thought it was a done deal. I mean, there was yeah. reports that said it was a done deal and that he just was waiting to make the decision. And they just... They just they just didn't make the offer. Yeah. They they didn't come out with the, it. The race for Machado really became the White Sox to lose because while there was reports, you know, that the the Phillies their top target was still Machado, the Yankees still wanted Machado. At the end of the day, it all kind of seemed like the Phillies were moving towards Bryce Harper. The Yankees were moving in other directions, and the White Sox were left standing there looking around, and there was no one else there. It, it was just them to sign, to get Manny Machado to sign. And I do just think it it all comes back to the White Sox are just not necessarily a desirable place to play. If this is the Cubs right. for $250 million, I think Manny Machado signs the deal and plays for the Cubs yeah. over the Padres. But the White Sox, while they do have talent at young talent, you know, up-and-coming talent, it's just not necessarily right. the place. I mean, the, they really haven't been that good since they won the World Series not in what, all. 2005? Say five, yeah. I, don't I, I, th- I think they won the I World Series five. in 2005, yes, yes, and five, they've been so. really struggling since oh, yeah. that I mean, point. Look, I'm, I'm from Chicago, and, you know, you can drive by the stadium on the expressway, and you can, and you can only see the upper half of the bleachers when you're driving by because the backdrop um, near the bleachers and the and in the outfield is covering it and you can't you see 10 fans yeah it really i mean i know they're bad but look when the cubs were bad you would still have them sell out their marquee games against the cardinals or their or some of their nikings because it's just an environment to go to wrigley field and be a part of that but really I mean, you know, guaranteed rate field. I'm going to go see a game at guaranteed rate field today. Does that sound natural to you? No, I mean, I'm not going to blame it on the name of the stadium, but that's part of the factor. And obviously, it's it's just the the, the whole just surrounding uh, factors around the White Sox just don't make it. In an attractive spot. And, I mean, San Diego is not, the the Padres in general are not necessarily an attractive San Diego's spot. not a sports town, really. Yeah, the, the Padres really haven't been good in a while. And, I mean, significantly good, you know, sustained success. success. They just lost the Chargers. They're the only team in San Diego. San Diego, probably want, maybe one of the nicest places to live, I would say. In the United States, yeah. yeah. I mean, people so, love to go to San Diego. Yeah, so... They got a brand that, new stadium. That helps. And when you just simply compare where would you rather live, San Diego or Chicago, and it's not even a knock against Chicago. It's just San Diego's just, if all other things are equal, you rather go to San Diego. And plus, when you factor in, you're getting more guaranteed money. 
I would say the Padres are probably closer than the White Sox are. Yeah, as they far just, as their prospects. They just signed Eric Hosmer last year. You have Fernando Tatis Jr., who I, th- I believe he's the number two prospect in baseball. Top three. Who's going to – he'll probably play shortstop. Maybe they'll move him to second if Machado is still set on shortstop. Yeah. You know, they just signed Ian Kinsler. They're – an up-and-coming team. They drafted Mackenzie Gore, I believe, two years ago. He's projected to be up within the next two years. Young left-handed pitcher. Will Myers, they still have. Uh, Luis Urea, another young guy playing shortstop, projected right now. So if I had to say which one I would expect to to have a better chance of winning the World Series within the next five years, I'm going to say the Padres. Well, especially now that they would have... Would you have said the same thing without them signing? Let's say Manny Machado was still undecided at that point, and you look at the Padres and what they have to offer and what the White Sox and they have to offer, who would you go with without Machado signing to either team? Still the Padres? I I think I would go with the Padres just because they, they just... They have more talent on their team currently as well as guys coming up through the ranks for the White Sox. They're, Jose Abreu, Michael Kopech, they have yeah, some guys. They have, but, Yeah, they um, they definitely have some guys, but their, their uh, entire outlook on success, I think, yeah. is slightly less than the Padres. And I, I think the only the, the only problem with the Padres that I see, and we talk about the prospect, and you can talk about prospects for any team, right? You can say they have a fantastic farm position. Yeah. It seems like for years, this is what Michael Wilbon and Tony Cornelius were talking about in PTI. The, it seems like for years the Padres have had a top 10 farm system. And everyone's like, oh, you know what, what, the Padres, watch out for the Padres in three years. So, I mean, again, talking about prospects is so objective because you, you don't really know. There's obviously no guarantee that these guys are going to come in and be – you know, superstars that they're projected to be. And, you know, for years the Padres have said they've had these prospects and they've, they, you know, they've come up and they've been good, but it's never really taken them to the team that they want to be. But, you know, with Manny Machado now, with those prospects, I think this is a team that, you're right, in three years um, could be a World Series contender. And, it, look, Manny Machado's on a 10-year deal. He's not in a hurry to make the playoffs now. He's 27 or 28 years old right now. He's got 10 years with this organization to to figure something out, and if and look, if if they don't get the prospects that, or if the prospects come up and they aren't what they're all to be, and it just breaks down, he might get traded in three years. But for what it looks like right now, you know they're in a good position. It's a good destination for him. He's in warm San Diego, a brand new Petco Park. The only thing they have to do now is get rid of those brown uniforms because those are disgusting. I hate them. I don't know why they ever brought them back. I think it's the I, stupidest. I think I think those are just those are. Uh, Everyone the, thought it would be an appeal. Weekend. Really, I thought I thought they became like an alternate jersey Maybe, for the home. I don't know. I have no idea. But whether they're the players we can choose, whether they're alternate jerseys, they should be trashed all together, and then I think we'll be good. Um, other MLB news: uh, news came out today that they are reportedly trying to eliminate sign stealing by changing certain factors. Do you have that pulled up on ESPN? Yeah. There was so they're they're so trying to the MLB yeah. is um, attempt or. Planning on putting in new rules that would put a ban on in-house outfield cameras from foul pole to foul pole. So you wouldn't be able to have cameras down center field, I guess, looking straight down at the... Yep. I guess that... Yeah. yeah, I I don't know how they're going to get away with that because that's pretty much the main angle for all baseball games, I would say. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's the only angle. 
Yeah, so I, I'm not really sure about that rule, but we'll see. Uh, they want to put a ban on live or make live broadcasts limited to each team's designated replay official who in turn will be monitored by a security expert. So a team wouldn't be able to watch as, the live broadcast as a as coach is yeah. making signs yeah. and then the, the replay official can call down and say, yeah, you should challenge that play. And by the way, when they touch their nose, they're, they're taking a pitch yeah. or whatever. And then also um, they're going to have all other TV monitors such as those in the clubhouse and the bullpens on an eight-second delay, which I guess in real time might solve some things. But if a player, if a player's in the bullpen, he's watching the game, and there's a TV in the game. If he just notices something, whether it's eight-second delay, two-minute delay, he can still come in and and say, you know, hey, they're they're bunting every time that they touch their forehead or right, whatever. You exactly. Know? So. I don't really know how much these are gonna, you know, change things. But the the penalties for these um, offenses would be a forfeiting of draft picks wow. and forfeiting of international spending money. Wow! So those are two pretty big things for baseball. And I mean, good for baseball for trying to crack down on this. It's just it's a hard thing to do because sometimes guys are just attentive and they just pay attention and they see what's happening. Exactly. And it uh, it really just takes some some scouting, honestly, unless a team is changing oh, up their signs me. every single trust day. Me. I'm a baseball player and I you know, I, re- I I didn't play the bench that often in high school, but I would try, you know, when if I was injured or when I was playing the bench whenever I was, I would try to figure out the signs. I just couldn't do it. But I had other friends who could just, you know, Baseball, you know, very high baseball IQ. They could just figure it out. I don't know how they do it. It really, it's almost like a skill. And that's why I wonder, you know, is this part of the game? You know, it's been around for ever since baseball's been around. You know, is it part of the game? Is it an attempt here to slow the game, or to speed the game up? Because, you know, are they taking more time by figuring out signs? And I think that's ultimately the goal here. But, and you know, part of me is just like, yeah, it's just part of the game, man. It's part of the game. There's always been, you know, like a guy on second He's taking a lead off. He can see right directly down to the catcher. He can see, you know, what the catcher's calling and just pay attention a little bit. And eventually you ju- you might figure out what pitches are going to be called with what signs. So, I mean, I-, I definitely think, I mean, I think the MLB's had maybe two or three, four sign-stealing problems within the last year or two. Yeah. So I, I do think there's something that needs to be changed because – it is cheating. I mean, there's. It is cheating technically because. It, I know you're, what you're coming from. Yeah, you're getting an unfair advantage, but it's also something that it might just naturally be a part of how the game is played. It might not be something that you're going to be able to eliminate completely through rules because, like I said, some guys they'll just notice stuff. And if you pay attention enough, if you're watching enough things, you might just figure it out on your own. And is that still considered sign stealing? Is that still considered cheating? Right. I mean, obviously, you can't turn around and look at what the catcher's. I, I believe you're out if you turn around or you get a strike <laughs> or something. Yeah. But so, I mean, I just think this is just a tough thing that you're not going to be completely able to eliminate because. 
guys are always going to figure out a way around it, you know? So, it, I mean, good for the MLB for trying to put an end to it, but will it actually work as well as they think? I don't know. You have to wait and see. It's all, again, it's all an attempt with Rob Manfred trying to speed the game up. That's obviously been the goal for the past few years. As we know, baseball has been um, declining as far as viewership, and they think that the one way to solve that, or one of the ways to solve it, is the speed of the game, and that's the attempt of this. But we're going to move on to some NBA stuff. Got 40 minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Um, just a little Bryce Harper news. The White Sox are out on Bryce Harper. Yeah. So they're missing out on Manny Machado and Bryce Harper this year and uh, there's been a couple conflicting reports that some people are saying Bryce Harper does not want to go to Philadelphia other people are saying that he really doesn't care about going to Philadelphia. So then he's, what's the question here? Because um, about four days ago the momentum was on Philly. It yeah. seemed like he was about to sign so, one of those days. I'm a Phillies fan yep. and I think we're at the point now where the Phillies are going to be bidding against themselves because the Padres, I don't think, are going to be seriously in on making a huge offer to Bryce Harper. Uh, the Yankees have been out for a while. Uh, the White Sox are now officially out. The Nationals don't seem that willing to give Bryce Harper a huge deal. The Giants are really the only other team, and all reports have said that the Giants are going to just offer big, big short-term deals. Yeah. And Bryce Harper doesn't want that. So if the Giants are willing to, you know, offer him that 10-year deal, maybe San Francisco becomes more attractive of a destination for him. But I I think the Phillies are at the point where they're just kind of going to start bidding against themselves, and they have no real way of knowing that. But the Phillies have put all the pressure on themselves. They came out earlier in the offseason. They said they're going to spend stupid money stupid statement because now you're just making it sound like yeah we don't we don't care we'll we'll give guys whatever they want as long as we get the guy yeah so scott boris understands that and he's going to tell the phillies you know yeah san francisco just offered us 10 10 years 330 million dollars yeah so what are the phillies going to do are they going to say no you're bluffing and then san francisco really did offer him that and he signs with them or are the phillies going to say all right we'll give you 350 million dollars right for 10 right. years and overspend and I think the, the Phillies have done this themselves because you make that statement and now you're backed into a corner where uh, Scott Boris and Bryce Harper have all the leverage in this situation 100%. and I think it's going to take what I think the Phillies are going to get it done somehow whether that takes uh, the, the GM outspending the owner or the owner outspending the GM the Phillies are bidding against themselves right now I think but I think they're going to get it done. I think what it's going to come down to, similar to Man, Man well, first of all, the Phillies are now playing the role of the White Sox. It's their it's their race to lose now with yeah. with Bryce Harper. But also, I think it's going to come down to, you know, there's a figure that we don't know that Bryce Harper wants. We know the only offers we've heard about were, I believe, what was it, Washington? When we found what was it, three hundred million dollars? I think they offered three hundred million. For so, 10 years. So I know Washington's not his ideal area because he wants to get out of there. And if, if $300 million was his, do- was his 
outlook, he would have stayed in Washington. Again, that's still not out of the question, but it seems to me like at this point, we're this late into it, there's still that number, you know, just like the Machado, the number he wanted was $300 million. And there seems to me that there's still a number that Bryce Harper is looking for, but either the Phillies or, you know, the, the Nationals or the Giants, are, are, are they don't quite want to give him what he's asking for there. I don't know if that's what comes down to it, but I know you're going to call me crazy for this, I 100% believe the Chicago Cubs are still in on this. And it's Tom Ricketts comes out two days ago and says, we have no money. Please. You're the third, fourth most valuable team in baseball. They have don't no give money. me any of that that they have no money. They have enough they money. They have money, oh, but please. they don't want to spend oh, the luxury please. tax money. Well, they should. They should. And there's 100 they, reasons they, why they should. They look, had to trade look. away. Who was it? They had to trade away some reliever this year just to re-sign Cole Hamels. No, um... During the season? No, it's right at the end of the season. They traded away some some reliever just to just to keep Cole Hamels. Yeah, well, well, look, look. You want to talk about windows and windows and all these sports, right? And look, the Cubs have had the window the past four years, and we know how strong the NL Central is. We don't know if the Brewers are going to be good again, but the Cardinals certainly look like they got a little stronger with Paul Goldschmidt. Even the Reds got a little bit stronger with Puig and Kemp. And... The, there's people, the, the, the statistical mathematical projection has the Cubs in last place in the NL Central, I think is absurd. But, you know, they I know their players are signed through 2021. A lot of them are. But they might be running out of time. And I think if they get Bryce Harper, they win a World Series this year or they win a World Series next year for sure. So they ha- the mo- I know they don't want to spend the money, but the money is there. And I... I don't know if Bryce Harper would be willing to take any type of pay cut to go to Chicago, to go to a winning team, but we know the relationship he has with Chris Bryant. We know the connection that he has, with obviously, with Chicago because of Chris Bryant, and there's all, been all that speculation about you know him hanging out with Chris Bryant, him wearing the Cubs hat, him naming his... I think his dog's named Rizzo or something. I think Wrigley. his dog... Wrigley. His dog's named Wrigley. I think Wrigley. he has another dog that, that's named another Exactly. I mean, God, stadium. the stars are aligning, and I, I really do think that all of these... You know, Chris Bryant has said... and Oh... Bryce Harper's not coming to Chicago. Joe Madden said Bryce Harper's not coming to Chicago. I really think it all could be bluffing, and I think the Cubs could be that team. I, I mean, I know it's crazy, but it's you can't say it's out of the question. You can't say it's out of the question. You, you can say that it is quite possible, considering the current scenario of the situation. If it was any type of situation, and if we knew it was a bidding war between San Francisco and Philadelphia, then... I would say they're out, but we don't know what's going on. We do, we really don't. I mean, four days ago, we thought he was going to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, people people literally said it was a matter of time before Bryce Harper inks that deal with the Phillies. And since then, it's lost all momentum. I mean, the Giants were, quote-unquote, that mystery team. We really haven't heard much about their situation. I mean, really, no one knows. And this is what Scott Boris is so good at, but... I really think that the Cubs could still be in on this. I, I still think it's unlikely, but to say that they're not in on it, it might be absurd. But, it, again, it all could be true, what all yeah. of them are saying and what Tom Ricketts said, but it, it might not be true. We'll yeah. see. I, I, have a, I have a question from a listener. They would like to know, why do you think that Bryce Harper is holding out so long, and do you think the MLB should you know, put some kind of deadline right. or put some – signing period because we are into spring training now spring training games Games start today yeah they started already they're probably over right now well okay the first thing to answer that question the first thing is i believe he wanted to wait until manny machado cited his deal and i think that was scott boris's 
thing all along. Yeah. So now that that is over, I, I know it's been three days, and I, the reason why he's waiting to me is, again, he's waiting for that number. And is he asking for too much? I don't know. But it's like I said, it's the same exact situation to me as Manny Machado. I think there's that number there that they want or, you know, the Phillies, you can't say they're necessarily either the most attractive destination. I mean, they are an attractive destination, but would he rather be in Chicago or San Francisco? Probably yes. The Phillies are were a winning team. I believe they were above 500 last year, correct? Uh, near it. Near yeah. it. They were not necessarily a lower team. Um, but this is all part of Scott Boris's shtick. He loves to do this. Yeah. And we've talked about this for weeks now, about the MLB implementing something. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Mike and I talked about this for hours two nights ago, about how bad the MLB is at marketing and how bad they are at promoting their players. And you look at the past five months, or the past four, out of, four months, ever since the World Series ended, no one's talking about the MLB from November to March. And the reason yeah. is because your two highest coveted free agents aren't signing until spring training. So, I mean, this is just a marketing thing, but... No one gives a crap about the MLB for that period of time. I mean, there's there's no no one cares. There's no offseason yeah. drama. I mean, sure, a report will come out here and there that Bryce Harper is gaining momentum, but really, no one cares until a guy like Manny Machado, Bryce Harper signs their deal. So, I don't know how you can implement a rule like that somewhere, but I think there should be something because the MLB is losing out on marketing, promotion, and it's bad for the sport. Yeah, I th- I think the MLB they need to change something because you look at other sports. The NFL, what, what, we're three, four? Three weeks removed from the Super Bowl. Three weeks removed from the Super Bowl. Next week's the Combine. There's already At, been, After yeah. the Combine, a week later, or two weeks later, free agency starts. NFL draft hype starts building up. NFL draft hype starts at, or the NFL draft is the last week of April. Mm-hmm. And then you're about a month right away Right after from, that, you're um, at minicamp. Yeah. Then a, a month a month later, you're training at training camp. camp, preseason, season. And it's such it, a long period of time, but they fill it up. They fill it up. The, M- the NBA is the exact same way. The NBA has the draft right after the season, basically. Then you have free agency. Then you have uh, training camp about a month and a half later. You have preseason. You have the season. You're going. Even the NHL. The NHL has their draft after the season. They have free agency after the season. And then training camp for uh, preseason go. The MLB does not have that. Their draft is in June. Their free agency period. And no one cares about the MLB draft. Goes from this from the six months that they aren't playing until they do start playing it. The MLB is played for six months, and the six months that they're not playing, nobody talks about it no. because nothing happens exactly. during their off season, and they need to change it up. And I don't know how they're going to change it up. Somehow, I mean, you got. They just have to figure out a way to get people more excited about the off season. And I don't know if it's going to be something with you know creating a televised combine. Maybe I don't know how you're going to do that. Right, that's a good but point. get people more interested in who their team's drafting. And I think maybe you can move the draft to another time. I'm not really sure when though. But, you know, teams well, the, teams like to draft their high school players and their college players in June after their season is yep. over, and then they get them in uh, Gulf, Gulf Coast Leagues or, uh, you know, 
below low league, A yeah. and get them to start playing in rookie leagues, and then they're already acclimated to playing professional baseball. I don't know how you're going to change that because if you move the draft to, say, January, players, are they going to stop playing high school baseball? Are they going to stop <laughs> playing college baseball? Yeah, it, or are you going to wait until after they already graduated to draft them? So, you know, guys who... Uh, graduate in 2018 won't get drafted till January yeah. and they won't start playing yeah. until I mean that might work I mean it, it's a while but that might be a better scenario than what they're doing right now and I, I just I mean the MLB has a serious marketing problem because extremely bad Mike it's Trout terrible. Mike Trout yes. is one of the He's on pace to be one of the greatest players of all time. He's the greatest player in the MLB right now. Obviously, we know that. And but. yes, people talk about him, but no, nobody talks about him as much as they talk about LeBron James. Nobody talks about him as much as they talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown. It doesn't. He's in matter. that category, and he's undoubtedly in that category. Yeah. But no one's ever going to talk about no. him like that. And I just want to go back. You mentioned about the MLB draft, right? And how in the NBA and the NFL, you know, for the past three weeks now, half of the NFL news has been dominated by draft news, mostly because of Kyler Murray. But there's new things coming out every day about draft news. Then, of course, we have the combine that draws headlines and the 40-yard dash and all of that. In the MLB, people don't care about the draft because, sure, you might get a first-round pick, but this guy is not going to be playing on your team for four years. Yeah. No one gives a crap. You're, you're so, not going to see the guy for such exactly. a long time. And that's part of the problem. And honestly, there's nothing you can do to change that. I mean, that's the way the MLB yeah, is going to be for the rest of the time. A guy coming out of high school 99% of the time is not ready to even be playing professional baseball yeah. at all. Not at I all. mean, we've seen guys, you know, Bryce Harper only spent a year in the minor leagues. There's been guys, Mike Leak, a pitcher, right out of high school into the MLB. It's very, very rare that you see very. a guy go that quick through the minor league system, and that's really the problem. But you can't really change it because the way pitchers are right now, the way batters are right now, you have to be at the top of your game mm-hmm. to get to the MLB because if you go as an 18-year-old, you're going to get lit up, and then you're going to be done. Yeah. And, and there's nothing you can really do. Yeah, yeah. And it's just... It's funny because also spring training is like a month before the season starts. Where you have the NFL mini camp is about three months, really before. And obviously, there's you're not going to say let's start training camp in January. That's not what you're going to do. But the, something has to change as far as the uh, going and back to the question as far as the free agency signings yeah. because you talked about a few weeks ago you were talking about LeBron, the dude signed the, the he drew all the headlines a week after the season ended. It's not like he waited until September yeah, he, to sign his deal with the Lakers. He signed within a week, within a week. I think, of free agency starting. And so. I know the NBA and the NFL are far more popular when you talk about social media and you talk about TV viewership. And in those senses, they're obviously far more popular and people are going to follow the storylines more. But, you know, if you if you get a guy like Dallas Keuchel to sign in January, it draws headlines. Like, he's a solid player in the MLB. And obviously, the biggest problem is... A guy like Dallas Keuchel is in the top tier of the MLB. But if the MLB goes out, or if, if tweets come out and people say Dallas Keuchel signed, people still don't care because it goes back to the MLB promoting their players. Like, you, yeah, it's I, so I bad. could name some of the people on MLB rosters, and not even just you know the the last guy on the bench, like a starter, and and I'd say over fifty percent of the sports watching population would say who's that what exactly. what does he do exactly he's an accountant for 
you know, <laughs> Ernst and Young. Like, exactly. like you would have no idea because they don't market their players at all. And it's it's just a problem. And last year, like we talked about with Mike Trout, it's just they, they said, oh, well, we need players to market themselves better. Well, if Mike Trout is just not an, necessarily a overly outgoing guy, yeah. he's not going to be going out there and doing, you know, 50 commercials and and doing all of these things that's just not him the MLB the NBA still markets their players whether they're an outgoing person or they're not they still market them and the MLB just doesn't do that and that's that's their problem and that's how they don't get any fan interest pretty much because when you combine this the speed of the game with the lack of just knowing who people are I mean it Look, it's now, tough. nowadays, a lot of marketing, as we know, comes on to social media, right? And, again, the past headlines for the past three weeks or even throughout the season in both the NFL and the NBA are coming from players tweeting things, whether it's Joel Embiid, whether it's Antonio Brown, players tweeting things, they tweet random stuff, they tweet reactions to whatever, and it gets thousands and thousands of retweets, and these things are circulating through everyone's social media, and, and that's how social media works. But... One thing, the MLB players, none of the MLB players like tweet outgoingly like that, which I think is something they should do because that's obviously a way that you can connect with people. But, you know, the MLB just has to do a better job of, you know, promoting themselves on social media, promoting themselves, you know, whatever way they can because, I mean, look at the NBA. How do you think they have gotten so popular in the past four years? A big part of it is hashtag NBA Twitter. That's honestly a huge part of it. And yeah. the momentum they have gained among the youth, why do you think they've gained so much momentum among the youth? It's because of social media. That's why it is. And I don't know how the MLB can do it, but they really that's something they do have to focus on because... And yeah. if, if you really think about it, like, yeah, it takes forever to get to the major leagues. But if you think about it, the NBA has... 15 guys on a roster there's 30 teams in the nba the mlb has 30 teams 25 guys on a roster and mlb players are getting paid i'd say a lot more on average than nba players yep and you know you would think that oh guys are getting paid more on average you have a better chance right now to be on an mlb roster than you do an nba roster but i just i don't think that they're marketing it well enough and i maybe the mlb has to move to a salary cap where where the top you know the top 20 people you know the the nfl has the top 51 people out of a 53-man roster count towards your salary cap Mm -hmm. so maybe it's the top 20 guys on an mlb roster count towards your salary cap and maybe that's just how they're going to have to do it and move towards uh you know max contracts to get these guys to sign because that's how the NBA does it. You're only getting so much money. There's by NBA rules there's only so much money that you're allowed to get based on your your accolades, the year of service time and everything else. The MLB doesn't have that and that's really why Bryce Harper and Manny Machado waited so long because they're just going to keep waiting for who can get the the most money and they're just going to keep saying, "Oh, well he got offered this, exactly. I want more." And it's just back and forth, back and forth. And the MLB, I think that's one of their biggest issues right now. you got to figure out something with salary because you can't have your two biggest free agents in a while. Like, this isn't just biggest free agents this year. Biggest free agents in a while. These two guys are top 
level guys. It's rare that you see guys this young be free agents, and they should not still be free agents when spring training starts, and the MLB needs to figure something out. I 100% agree. <laughs> like you said, people are playing baseball games today in spring training, and you know Bryce Harper is still not on a team, so it's 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 fascinating. Again, going back to the question, I don't know how you change it because it's it, there's really not much that you can do with a rule. You can't I, say. I, I think it's, it's sign just got to be a salary February. cap. It's got to be a salary and move cap towards a, a max contract. Because, because like right we said, then. part of Scott Boris's idea here was, well, let's see how much Manny can go for, and if we see that Manny went for three hundred million dollars, oh, Bryce, you can go for three hundred twenty, three hundred thirty million dollars. If you think if you think three hundred million dollars, I remember two years ago when everybody was talking about. Oh, the 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 rumored class of 2019, the free agent class of 2019. People were saying, "Is Bryce going to be the first player to get 400 million dollars yeah. in the MLB?" And he's. I don't think he's going to get that. I'd be very very Ooh, shocked uh, yeah. if he does get that. But that's what we're moving towards. Guys are about to get 500 million dollars, half a billion dollars, to play baseball. But they're just going to keep waiting because if Bryce gets this net this year. Nolan Arenado, probably the best third baseman in the league. What's he going to get next year? Five, $400 million? It's just going to be a merry-go-round of guys wanting to be the highest-paid player until the MLB puts some kind of rule in place that limits what they can actually get. Right. So <laughs> we'll have to see. I think if I had to make a prediction, I'd say Bryce would probably sign this week because, like we said, we're getting real I think he's close, but... Manny Machado, I believe, is getting announced tomorrow as a Padre. Yeah. I think Bryce Harper signed sometime before that or... So you think before tomorrow? Agrees. Agrees, uh, agrees. Okay. Before his press conference. Wow. <laughs> before Manny Machado's press conference. To steal all the hub? Uh, for $330 million, 10 years. To the Phillies? Okay. He's well, going to top Giancarlo Stanton's record. Okay. We will certainly see. Um, I think that's how Scott Boris so works. He within, wants the headlines. You think within the next 24 hours? Because that's what people are going to be talking about. Nobody oh, cares yeah. about Manny Machado's yeah. press conference if Bryce Harper just signed. Yeah. That's no, what Scott yeah. Boris wants. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 24 hours. You heard it here first. In under 24 hours, Bryce and, Harper and will be a Philly you know, for 10 years. You know, we got all these fans with sources. I just got off the phone with a guy uh, at the Philadelphia airport. He said a private jet from Las Vegas to Philadelphia is coming in. It's scheduled to land at 1 p.m. T- tomorrow afternoon. Really? No, just kidding. But <laughs> everybody on Twitter loves to, I, loves I to love say that, that they have I some kind that. of inside yeah. source, you know. Yeah, that, that's hilarious. There's always, there's always that stuff. Oh, the, guy with, the, the guy with 57 followers just got an inside tip <laughs> yeah. from the from the valet guy at the, the Rich Carlton in Philadelphia that Bryce Harper booked the penthouse, like... <laughs> I love that stuff. But, hey, sometimes that kind of stuff, <laughs> it grabs headlines sometimes. Um, yeah, so that's the MLB. Manny Machado signs for um, a ton of money. We have one question back to the NFL. One of my friends, Mitchell, asks, he says, Antonio Brown is definitely going to the Oakland Raiders. Um, I, I I can see I can see it as a possible fit. I mean, hundred percent they have the draft capital. We don't have no question about that. But, you know, again, Antonio Brown is a high market player who wants to go to San Francisco, New York. He wants to go to one of those teams. Yeah. I don't see this as a guy will look. They may be in Las Vegas in two years and that's obviously a high market destination, but 
I just don't know if I see it as a John Gruden move. I yeah. don't think John Gruden makes that kind of move, if I'm being honest. And again, I mean, John Gruden traded away Khalil Mack, and then he says for the next three weeks straight, it's tough to find pass rushers in the NFL. We really need to work on our pass rushing. I just I don't know if John Gruden's talent assessment is what it was in 2003. When they made the Super Bowl, yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I just, I, just, I just think, again, yeah, I remember. What we talked about earlier this is a guy who, at 31 years old, is he wants to go to a team that's at least remotely close to a Super Bowl. This team is not anywhere near a Super Bowl. There's a reason they have three first-round draft picks this year. There's a reason they have There's a two reason they signed their, their head coach to a 10-year contract and their GM to a 10-year contract. There's a reason they released one of the better wide receivers. I won't say that. A, a decent wide receiver in Amari Cooper, a defensive player of the year candidate, Clue Mack. There was a reason they did these things. This, John Green wants this to be his team, and he wants to build it. He wants to tear it all down and build it back up. And throwing a guy like Antonio Brown in there for two years isn't going to do you anything. Sure, you may be six and ten rather than five and eleven, or seven and nine rather than six and ten, but it's really not what Antonio Brown is looking for, and you're really not going to accomplish anything except for grab a few headlines and have Derek Carr throw to a viable receiver. I mean. I, I I can see it as far, and I think the reason why my friend here is making this point, obviously, is they have the draft capital. It's, they, they have, have the ability. They have to the do ability. It. They can go out there and say, "Here's a second round pick. We have but four more they? of them." But will they? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, like I said, John Gruden probably wants all of his picks. That's why he accumulated all his picks. Is yeah. he wants to build his team himself, and, and he wants to evaluate through the draft rather than just get a, a 31 year old free agent who we know is talented to come in. So. We'll see. Um, we'll move on to a little bit of NBA. We have about 15 minutes left here. We'll go through some NBA headlines. LeBron has said he is going into quote-unquote playoff mode with the Lakers here in these final around 30 games left in the season. I mean, playoff mode really is going to get you into the 7th and the 8th seed, so you can try as hard as you can and get into the 7th or the 8th seed, but ultimately you're probably going to lose into the Warriors or the Nuggets or one of those teams. So I don't know if this whole playoff yeah. mode thing's really going to work out for you, LeBron. So the interesting thing right now is the Lakers are currently three spots out of the 8th seed behind the Clippers and the Kings. LeBron James, I don't think he's missed the playoffs since maybe his third year in the league. With the Cavaliers, yeah. He's never lost in the first round of a playoff series in his entire career. That is a remarkable stat, yeah. never losing the first round of a playoff series or the first playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're getting in the playoffs. The Kings are playing very good basketball. Very, Buddy Hill came out today and said, I, I'll bet my house that the Kings the are The amazing thing is the Kings right now are 11 games back of the Golden State Warriors. They're not catching them. I think there's about 25 games left around average. Um, the Kings are 11 back of the Warriors, 9 back of the Nuggets, 7 back of the Thunder. They're only 4 games back of the Portland Trailblazers who four currently – sit in the four seed. So there's only four games that separate the ninth seed and the four seed in the Western Conference right now. So this is really anybody's, you know, playoff spots. Anybody can get in. You get hot for, you know, 10, 15 games. You go, I don't know, 12 and three, or you, you go on a great run somehow. You could find yourself in the playoffs, and the, the Lakers could find themselves in the playoffs. So I'm not counting them out. I just, I don't think they're 
a good enough not team good right enough. now. They're really not good. I mean, and look. We talked about this earlier yeah. in the year. You asked me how many wins I thought the Lakers were going to get. I told you 45. At best, they're going to be a five seed in the West. That's what I said. Because while they have LeBron, LeBron is one of the greatest players of all time. The talent around him is just not that great. As much as they think it is, as much as you can have the second overall pick in Brandon Ingram, the second overall pick in Lonzo Ball, uh, a first-round pick in uh, Kyle Kuzma and and Josh Hart, the guys still got to be able to play the game, and they're not playing to the talent that they thought they were getting, except for Kuzma, who's exceeding it. But when you get guys in the top three, they got to play the potential, or unless you have significant pieces other than that it's not going to work out i agree i i you were spot on with that prediction i i I actually called you crazy i think at the beginning when you said the lakers would be lower than 45 wins i was like oh my god that's absurd but really i mean it's not like it's not like it was a little bit lebron was injured for three four weeks but even then that's what i was just about to get to he comes back after the injury and like sure they win a few more games but they're not looking like any type of different team with lebron on the court i mean God, this guy is a difference. He's one of the greatest players of all time, and he can come out here and do all that. But I just don't think, like you said, this team has enough pieces surrounding them to get into the playoffs. We know how competitive the Western Conference is. And, look, you can go into playoff mode, LeBron, and you can work as hard as you can, and you guys can get that 50 wins or 40 seven wins that you need to get in the playoffs and hey you get that eight seed oh well you're going home if you're playing the golden state warriors and you're losing in the playoffs for the first time first on the playoffs for the first time in your career so him going into playoff mode is obviously just like aaron Rodgers saying relax or you know any of those types of things it's just to give a little bit of momentum and you know to say Try and get your guys when, when they make the playoffs we'll go back to this moment when lebron said that he was going into playoff mode and he's so good because he called it and he really is just going to flex his muscles on the rest of the league for the next 30 games of the season so we'll see i don't think they'll make the playoffs i believe the western conference is too competitive i think they have a pretty tough schedule too i didn't look at their schedule that's a big factor of it too but i was uh, i'm hearing rumors that it's not the easiest schedule not a schedule where they can go 15 and 5 or 20 and 7 whatever they need to go to get in the playoffs so we'll look at that later but other nba news this weekend was the nba all-star weekend um pretty boring honestly the three-point contest was the best part of the night because Steph Curry lit it up but then no name Joe Harris comes out and lights it up even more and, and wins the yeah. contest against the greatest shooter of all time uh the dunk contest was horrible because nowadays everyone just thinks they can bring out J. Cole or bring out a paper airplane and everyone's wow you jumped over a yeah, prop or it, you it, brought out a famous rapper like sure it's cool and it draws some but at the attention. end of the day if he brought me out instead of j cole it's still the same it's dunk. the same it's dunk. still it's not just that, that you're not dunk. j cole yeah and that's really all it is and like look, there's no creativity diallo's dunk on Shaq was good and it, it was good but the only reason why we're saying it's so good is because everything else was so bad yeah. And that's really all we have to talk about is because that one was the best of the night when really it would have been one of the worst of the night in Zach I mean, Levine and Eric a, Gordon's it was dunk a, contest. It was a pretty good dunk, but, I mean, jumping over Shaq. Shaq is an absolute it's, it's absurd, unit. But, but, yeah, compared to everything else we saw, right. I mean, everything else was terrible. And, I mean, that, that was one of the highlights of the weekend because the game wasn't that great. I, for one, I mean, I had things going on, but I didn't really watch the game at all. Just because I was like, 
I don't. I wouldn't. I'm it not gets, interested. It gets. I'm yeah, not interested. In. I mean, I I think I've watched at least some of every All Star game for the longest time, and I just didn't watch any of it this year because I had other stuff going on. But I also wasn't interested. I could have watched it on my phone, you know. Right. right. But I didn't because I was just like, it. It's not really that big of a deal. It's it's just who can dunk, who can shoot threes. There's basically no defense. It's. I believe there was. 167 attempted threes. I don't know if that number is accurate. It's somewhere above 150. Um, yeah, nice. 167 attempted threes, where if you map it out, would equal about 501 points or something. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, honestly, people were saying that the dunk and the dunk and the All Star game with Giannis and Steph was better than the dunk contest, but that All Star game recorded tied for the lowest. Rating of all time in dunk and in, in all star uh, all star game history, and we talk about the NFL right with the Pro Bowl and how these things need to be changed. Obviously, all the attention is on the skills challenge and and the dunk contest and three point contest, but there, there's no way you're going to be able to change the game. And people complain about it, but there's really nothing you can do. No player is going to put their body and their and their energy on the line to win an all star game. That means virtually nothing, and yeah. it, it, it's almost unfortunate because. When else do you get to see the top 10 players in the world play a basketball game against each other? Never. And you wish that those kind of things would be competitive because then you could see, you know, Steph Curry playing against LeBron alongside Kevin Durant and Giannis and all these guys. And it's cool and it's awesome, but it, it doesn't reach that potential because no one plays hard and no one plays defense. And it's basically which team hits most of their threes. That's really yeah, all it is. And basically, the entire All Star weekend turned into. Who's tampering? Who's not tampering? Oh, Specifically, you know, Kyrie, KD. There, there's the video that came out of them talking, and and Kyrie flipped out on the on the media yeah. yesterday, I think. Today. Yeah. Or and yesterday. He was, yeah. you know, my whatever I'm saying to one of my best friends is between us, and it's like, dude, people are just messing around. Like obviously, right after the All Star game, they're not saying, oh, those two are definitely saying. All right, we're signing with the Knicks next year. Like, obviously, but people are just—it's—it's it's something to talk about, and like, it really doesn't matter. But the fact that it—it's just—it's just not that big of a deal. But you make it a big deal when you do stuff like this and you start yelling at everybody. Like, just—just just roll with the punches and be like. Like, look, you're not you're you're Kyrie Irving. You're one of the most prominent players in the NBA. You should know that when you go out to dinner with Kevin Durant, that people are going to assume that it's not like, again, it's not like we're saying it's oh my god, it's confirmed they're going to Kevin Durant. But obviously they're going to New York. But obviously those questions are going to be arisen, and like you just have to accept that's the way it is. I mean, you get a lot of money from the media, dude. And for you to be complaining about it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, we're not yeah. di- like the media is not diving into your life here. We're not revealing things about your life or you know looking into it. We're, you just you know you sat down with the guy who you think is gonna or we think is gonna be your teammate in New York. It's obviously gonna draw headlines, and you should probably know that as a player too. So uh, other news as of today, um, as of yesterday. Zion Williamson gets injured by breaking through his shoe. So the Nike stocks have actually dropped. I believe the specific shoe is a Paul George type yeah, um, shoe. He's listed as day to day now. With so a sprained it's not a, knee, it's not a serious injury. It is a sprained knee, but I I really question this: is 
is he going to play the rest of the year? Does he have a reason to go back out on the court? If I'm him, I would play. Because if he does not play, he's not going to be a top. R- the first overall RJ Barrett's going to be the first overall pick if he does not play. And, um, yeah, I would play if I was him. I would not play against terrible teams, but I would still play. And, um, I mean, this this goes into a little bit of breaking news as of yeah, about right. an hour and a half ago that the ML, or the NBA just officially submitted a proposal to the National Basketball Players Association to uh, lower the dra- uh, minimum draft age from 19 years old to 18 years old by the 2022 draft. Yep. So this would eliminate guys, you know, going to college for one year, not going to any classes, just th- there to play basketball, just there to get to the draft. It would eliminate that, and there wouldn't be these problems of, oh, should he just sit out the entire year? Exactly. So, I mean, I, I think this is always kind of where we've been moving in the past four or five years, I would say. And I, I think that it's the right move just because I think it'll make college the college game better overall because guys will be playing there for if you're going to college, you're playing for two, three years probably. Yeah. Or you're just going to go out of high school. So I think that college will get actually get better because I think the competition will, will be a little bit of the same level, you know? Right. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are that. I, I, I personally think, well, obviously the NCAA is going to be upset about this rule because you're not going to have guys like Zion Williamson be in the NCAA anymore. But it, it comes down the biggest question, too, not just the fact that, you know, you should get drafted out of a high school, is, you know, people were paying $10,000 to go to that Duke game last night. And the only reason that number was so high is because of one man, Zion Williamson. So obviously people are talking about, you know, these players should get played, and that's been a conversation for years about NCAAs getting paid. But that, that doesn't have to be a question anymore when you when you can get drafted out of high school because those types of guys are the only people that are really generating, you know, that much revenue because, I mean, how much freaking money are these schools making out of out of Zion Williamson and stuff? So Yeah, I mean, the, it's all really going to be the revenue kind of aspect of it yeah. by how much they're making off these players, but now these players can get paid. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, one a, fr- a little bit yeah. of breaking news real quick. Oh. The Phillies have signed outfielder Trevor Plouffe, not Bryce Harper. Boy, oh, boy, you had me. For- I, was, I would have gotten that ESPN notification. You, you're tricking that on me. Uh, that's the Lapka Natalia Show. This is Scott and Grace Sports Radio. Hope you guys have a good rest of the week. Take care. See ya.